Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Oh man, welcome to church. Everybody, I just, I was telling the band earlier, I'm like, this is the week you got grandma to come to church. I know it is. Oh, we love our grandmas. And uh, man, welcome. If you're brand new to ACF, thank you for being here. If you're with us online, we love you. We're glad that you're here with us today. We don't do this every week, but we are starting a brand new series called I'm With a Band. We are covering a, a cover tune. It, and I just, it dawned on me as I was listening to that, if you're under the age of 20, that's like an oldie, right? You guys are like... What, what is this, right? What even is this band? So just look it up later. You can, you can find the, uh, the band online. But we are talking through the different things that we listen to, the music, the, the entertainment, the media, the art that we appreciate. It all has a message. And so for the next uh, four weeks, we're actually going to walk through different uh, songs, and we're going to talk through what is the message and, and what's, a, what's a biblical perspective, and, and how do we come back to that? This, this ultimately is how we know what is true and what is false in the world. We've got to keep coming back to the Scriptures, coming back to what God says is right and true, and that's how we're really going to know how to live. And so uh, anyway, we're, we're just, I don't even know how to follow that, but we're going to keep going here. I'm excited about uh, the fact that we just, we're seeing God work, and honestly, I said this on Easter, um, it's, like a, it's like a resurrection around here. Four months ago, this building was empty, and uh, on Easter, Easter weekend, we saw over 2,000 people come through these doors together. Let's praise God for that. And listen, we, uh, this is not, uh, ACF is the, the hero. God is the hero. Jesus chooses to use the church. And so, um, we just get to be used. As long as God chooses to use us, we want to lean in. And so, um, just know that we are excited to be part of what God is doing right now. And we get to see Him do some incredible things as people start to come back into groups and, and being around each other. In fact, we've, uh, we've been planning for this a little bit, but we're launching our midweek Wednesday gathering starting on the 21st. So we're really excited excited about that as well. Um, bringing that back. If you don't know anything about that, that is our first service of the week. It's the exact same gathering as we have on the weekends. And so if you're uh, camping or fishing or hunting or whatever in Alaska on the weekends, it's a great way to stay part of the community of ACF. And so we're really, really excited that, uh, that we get to do that together again. It's going to help continue to make room. As you can see, we have a full room, not too many empty sp- seats here. And so we want to keep making space for our community. Uh, another thing that's part of that that I'd ask you to pray for is our church is growing faster than our teams are right now, which is, I guess, a good problem to have. But as we kind of get reintroduced into society and people start getting around each other again, uh, we are just praying for people to, lead in, to lean in and lead. So if you're a leader, um, if, you're, if you're new to ACF and you're like, I want to make this my church home, uh, find a way to serve. One of our prayers as we start the new Wednesday gathering is that we would be able to start with full ACF kids and full 
first impressions teams. And the, the, really the value behind that is that if this is your first time to church, we want it to be your best time to church. Uh, we, we have this vision to reach out to the church, to the unchurched, and the de-churched. And so if you're here today and you're like, what's church all about? Um, <laughs> I guess you've been shocked already. But uh, we hope that you feel safe. We hope that you know your kids are enjoying themselves. They're hearing about Jesus. Uh, in ACF Kids, we hope you got a cup of coffee, that somebody said hello to you. We just want this to be a great experience so that ultimately you can hear from God, uh, so that you can kind of get rid of the distractions and be fully present here. And so that, that's our prayer. I think um, they're, they're looking for 25 new ACF Kids serve team members to join in with that. And so uh, let, let's kind of jump into this conversation today. Uh, again, we're starting a series called I'm With The Band, and today I've entitled Winning At Life. What does it mean to win at life? What does it mean to have a meaningful life, a life of meaning? And the song that you just heard has some lyrics that we want to kind of tease out here today. And so here are the lyrics. It says this, all my life I've been searching for something. Something never comes, never leads to nothing. Nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close, closer to the prize at the end of the rope. So I feel like this, this lyric teases out something very deep within our souls, and it's our need for meaning. Every one of you has this need for meaning, this need for purpose. Why am I here, and, and why am I on this earth? In fact, uh, in somewhere around 935 B.C., Solomon, who was a man who accomplished a lot, did a lot in this world, he started wrestling with that same question. Here's what he says in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, oh, how I prospered, excuse me, I left all my predecessors in Jerusalem far behind, left them behind in the dust. What's more, I kept a clear head through it all. Everything I wanted, I took. I never said no to myself. I gave in to every impulse, held back nothing. I sucked the marrow of pleasure out of every task. My reward, to myself, for a hard day's work. Then... I took a good look at everything I'd done, looked at all the sweat and hard work. But when I looked, I saw nothing but smoke. Smoke and spitting into the wind. There was nothing to any of it. Nothing. Some of you walked in here feeling that way. And you've been wrestling with some some deep, deep questions in your soul about your existence and why you're here. And some of you have done a lot. I mean, you have accomplished a lot of things. You've, you've done a lot of great things like Solomon and you got what you asked for and you realized that it didn't satisfy you. So you're left with this question. Why am I here? What's my purpose? How could I win at life when I don't even know why I'm here? Now, uh, I don't know a lot of you. In fact, uh, one of the things that's happened over the course of this past year is uh, we have a highly military community. So one of the things we say is about a third of our church uh, turns over every single year because we're probably 80% military as a church family. And so I don't know many of you. Uh, it kind of feels like preaching to a guest, like a guest preacher at somebody else's church or something. So, um, but I'm going to get to know you. But one thing I do know about all of you is that sometime in the past month, you have probably felt like a loser. Can anybody like admit that? Like you've probably felt, I know I have. I, I've had moments where I'm like, wow, I just blew it as a dad. And I'm a, I'm a total loser right now. I can't believe I did that. Or where I said something that I'm like, how did that even escape my lips? How did I say that? That's not, that's not what I want to say. Or I didn't say something that I should have. And I felt like a loser. I've made mistakes over the past month and, and felt like, man, I'm, I'm losing at life. 
So I know that probably everybody at some point in the, in the last month has felt that. Here's the second thing I know about you. You would rather win than lose, right? Now, is there anybody in the room that would admit, like, I'm a total competitive person? Competitive people, raise your hands. Some of you are like, I'll be first to raise my hand. Yep, I'm going to win at that one. I'll be the very first. Yeah, you competitive people, crack me up. I'm telling you what. So I'm not super competitive, um, but I married a very competitive woman. So Amanda, she's watching, in fact, so i got to be careful what I say, but she's super competitive at anything. She'll, she'll, she'll race you in anything. Um, and, and she just loves that idea, that feeling of winning, you know? And, and there's certain things that I'm competitive about and other things I'm not that competitive about. But uh, I just remember a few years ago, she started a, uh, a softball team. She was going to go coach a softball team, and somehow I made the team, right? Married to the coach. I guess that's how, because I'm not, I don't do much with the sports. I'm not super sporty. Uh, I don't just, you know, win the points. I'm that guy. Just play the game, win the points. So I could tell she was like nervous even having me on the team, and so she's like, first game, she's like, I'm going to give you a really important position. I'm like, what's that? She goes, left outfield, and I'm like, okay, most important position, left outfield, awesome. Ball players are getting it. So I'm in the left outfield and I'm, I'm sitting there like picking daisies or something, you know, like, and this guy steps up. This is a total leisure league, right? And, and I mean, it's just, we're kind of hanging out, having fun, co-ed, softball. He steps up and he's got like the glove, right? And he's got his hat backwards. He's got like a big ball of chew in his lip and he grabs the, the bat, the baseball stick or whatever. He grabs the, just, <laughs> just throwing that in there. He grabs the bat and like ball comes to him and he just nails it right to me. And I, I see it coming and I'm like, dear, a little prayer, right? Dear Jesus, help me. And I kind of close my eyes and put my ball in the air. And I kid you not, I caught it, right? And I'm, I've never done this before. I'm freaking out. I'm like running around high-fiving people in the outfield. And I'm just excited. Throw the ball back in. And I, I, I catch my wife's eye and she looks at me and she goes. <laughs> and I'm like, I just... I just caught the ball, right? You know, she doesn't look like she's going to give me a kiss, right? So I get up to her, and I'm like, why are you mad? And she goes, never do that again. And I'm like, what, catch the ball? She goes, no, celebrate like you've never caught a ball again in your life. They're going to hit it to you every time now. And they did. They were like always aiming at left field. But I feel that tension, right? And so some of you, you know what it feels like where there's things in life where you know you should be winning at them, but you're not that motivated. You just don't have that competitive spirit. It's not something that's, that's really in you right now. And yet at the same time, you have this feeling that you're grasping at something that you can never quite take a hold of. Like we just heard in that song, that feeling like every time I try to get close to it, I just can't quite grab a sense of meaning. And, you know, softball is one thing, but the stakes of life are much higher, aren't they? I mean, you're a, you're a dad, you're a, a mom, you're a friend, Right? You're a son or a daughter, your coworker. You, you, the stakes are so high for winning right now. Now, how do we know if we're winning? Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that I believe our winning is directly con- connected to our meaning. To know if you're winning, you have to connect it to your meaning. So I'll define it this way. Winning is based on how well you're aligning your life with its true meaning. If you don't know your meaning, that you, then you can't be winning. There's no way to know. How how am I winning at life? I don't know. Because I don't know why I'm here. So winning is based on how well you align your life with its true meaning. How do you know a hammer is winning? Well, it's pounding nails, right? How do you know that a a car is winning? Well, it's driving down the road. 
Um, how do you know a cat is winning? It's making your life miserable, because that's what cats were designed to do. Some of you are cat fans. I'm sorry. Not a cat fan. I'm just, just being real with you. But each one of you, you have a meaning. You have a reason that you're here. You're here. You have a, a purpose that you're here. So what is that purpose? What's the meaning of your life? Now, I did a little research this week because I was kind of curious what I would find on uh, the internet about what the meaning of life is. And so I kind of, you know, typed that into Google and started looking around. And here's what psychology today says. It says the meaning of life is to live. (laughs) And I was like, that's, anybody else think that's not very helpful? Anyway, thank you, psychology today. (laughs) Well, here I am. I'm breathing. I'm living. I guess I'm fulfilling my meaning. Um. Uh, Jordan Peterson, I think, got a little closer. Here's what he says. Meaning is not optional. I agree. Every person needs to have a meaning. It's how we deal with the hell that is life sometimes. Okay? So you got to have a meaning to deal with, I mean, life is a hell sometimes. Like, we go through really difficult things. And so the only way to get through it is a meaning. But it sounds like he just says, find one. Just pick a meaning. Just out of thin air, grab a meaning, pick a meaning, and that meaning is going to get you through, but the truth is it won't. And you know that already because you've tried. You've, we've all tried that before. We've tried to find meaning in things that can never give us meaning. And as I studied the people in the world that are trying to determine the meaning of life, it all felt a little bit empty, and I realized why. And here it is. Because meaning was never supposed to begin and end with us. Your meaning was never supposed to begin and end with you. When your meaning begins and ends with you, you end up living a meaningless life. Because we are not enough reason to live. And it feels like this never-ending journey of trying to find a place. This never-ending journey of trying to earn your right to breathe air in the morning. And it becomes exhausting. And we all deal with those questions one, t- one time or another in our lives. And, and if life begins and ends with you, what it feels like is one of these. Anybody got one of these? These are great. Hold your clothes up. Little rack for hangers right here. Like, that's all they've ever done in my house. This is a treadmill, right? Treadmill, these are, these are very frustrating instruments of torture, aren't they? You work really hard to go nowhere. And some of you are like, that's my life right there. I work really hard to go nowhere, to feel like I'm not achieving anything. In the 1970s, two uh, psychologists got together and came up with a theory about the pursuit of human happiness, and they called it the hedonic treadmill. You can kind of read about that if you want to look that up later. But the, the theory is that regardless of what happens to you, you will always return to whatever your happiness baseline is. So whatever it is that you achieve, um, you finally graduate high school. Okay, good. Graduation, that's cool. You graduate college, you get the degree. Okay, awesome. That's great. You you get the husband, you get the wife, you get the Pinterest-looking house, right, with the wood paneling on the wall, right? You get the four-wheelers, you get the truck, you get the whatever it is. You go on the vacation, you get the cool Instagram account with all the followers. You get all the things, but the, the theory is this, that it's all just a treadmill, you work really hard to go nowhere. It's like your meaning is always leaking out. Anybody feel like that? Like a bucket with a hole in it. Like my meaning, my purpose is always leaking out. And the reason is, what's at the center of each one of those pursuits? You are. 
And any life that begins and ends with you or me is a meaningless life. So here's my, my argument today, is that meaning is only secure when it begins and ends with God. Two people are stoked for that. Five people. Okay, here we go. It's good. I'm feeling a little tired too, so it's okay. If you're feeling a little tired here today. Meaning is only secure when it begins and ends with God. I love the Westminster Shorter Catechism says this. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him together or forever. So if you showed up here and you're like, I don't have a meaning. I need a purpose, a vision statement for my life. Like, what's my meaning? This is great. This is a great start, isn't it? Your chief end, the day that you finally get put in the ground, what you want to do is have looked back on your life and seen that you were glorifying God and enjoying him all the time. That's why we sing songs in church. We have fun sometimes. You're like, is that spiritual? All of life is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. I hope that your spirituality doesn't begin and end in this room. That's a meaningless life. So all of life is spiritual. Your chief end, your, the reason you breathe in the morning, the reason you, you got another day today, got to walk outside and get in your car and come to church, was to glorify God and enjoy him. Just enjoy him. Amen. I love what the prophet Isaiah says in, in chapter 47, verse, or 43, verse 7. He says, Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory, the glory of God. It was I who created them. You see, all of these pursuits, what we've done as we seek meaning from them is what we've done as created gods. We don't like to see it that way or admit that, but we're creating little gods in our lives because we're expecting them to fulfill us. Whatever you expect to give you meaning is your God. Whatever you expect to give you a sense of purpose, whatever you expect to give you a sense of of even happiness in this world is ultimately your God. And I love this text. He says, hey, you guys were created. You're trying to create gods. That's why it's really empty. But you were created by God in his image. And in that life, there's there's peace, there's hope, there's meaning. The kind of meaning that can't be stolen from you. When the car get, gets a ding on it or, you know, somebody spills something on the carpet of that beautiful Pinterest house or somebody else gets, you know, a, another degree that you don't have and now you got to chase that because you're trying to impress those people. You see, it's really, it really is a treadmill. And, and honestly, what happens is it, it starts getting used against us at some point. Some of you are so talented that it's killing you. Like you can do, a, when you walk into a room, you're almost always the smartest person in the room. You're almost always the most educated person person that did the most research. You're almost always the most athletic person in the room, the funniest person in the room. Like when you walk into the room, you are incredibly talented. And here's what happens when we get this whole thing wrong is our winning becomes a weapon. Some of you have felt that. Have you ever started to hate what you're good at? Have you started hating like, like this is killing me. I mean, this is really, it's supposed to fulfill me. It's supposed to give me meaning, but I never can find it. And I'm just tired. I'm so tired of asking this thing to give me a sense of meaning in my life. Whatever it may be, whatever it is, when you make it into the thing that's supposed to give you meaning, it will become a weapon. And either you will use it against yourself or others will. I mean, who are you when that thing's removed? Whatever it is. Who are you when, when, when your success is removed from you? Who are you when nobody cares about the thing that you've cared so much about? And I have to deal with this as a pastor a lot. 
So it's a question I need to ask all the time is, who am I apart from the church, apart from preaching, apart from all of my influence that I get to be a part of? If I don't know who I am apart from that, guess what? I will be a really unhealthy pastor. And a lot of pastors do that. A lot of guys in ministry, men and women in ministry, find their identity in what it is that they're doing. They're so, so busy working for God that they forget to love God. And that's just something I never want to do. Like, in the end, you guys, it's, it's not on me whether you show up to church or not. Like, I don't get out of bed in the morning and go, I just hope everybody, like, that's up to you. I mean, I don't get my purpose from you guys sitting in these seats. Praise the Lord for that, right? I get my purpose from Jesus. He gives me my meaning. And this is really what we, we want to get to here today is that there is a meaning and a purpose that you can have that can't be stolen from you, that doesn't go away when you get older, when your mind starts to go, because it's coming, folks. Some of you, it's already happening. I mean, it doesn't go away. Like, you don't lose this purpose and this meaning. Like, your identity isn't found in that thing. Second Corinthians five seventeen. I love this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God gives you an identity. You see, your meaning, this is so important. Your meaning isn't something that you were intended to earn. It was something that was intended to be given to you. Any meaning that you can earn is not worth living for. I want you to hear that. Any meaning that you can earn or that you can take hold of on your own is not worth living for. Your meaning is received by God. You are a new creation. You are in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. The old you is buried in the ground. The new you is alive in Christ. It's what we celebrate every time we do baptism. We're doing baptism in a couple weeks. Is that you have been given a purpose that cannot be taken away with with, with the mistakes that you make today. This is so good. It's so important in your salvation, right? Some of you grew up being taught this. I mean, you're, you're in the hands of God one day, you went to church, you're singing Jesus songs, your hands are in the air. The next day when you blow it, you're not so sure. And you've even been told, that, like, hey, you better go do something good, right? You better go give a little money to the church or, you know, or, or help somebody out in a ministry. You better go do something to make up for that other thing. And so your, your salvation itself isn't even secure. Listen to me. Your meaning is as, as, as secure as your, as your salvation is in Jesus. Like it can't be stolen from you because Christ has already given it to you and he doesn't take things back that he gives to you. He's never going to take it back. Verse 21, I love this. It says, For our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So who are you today? When you got out of bed this morning, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are righteous. You are holy. You are pure in the eyes of God. You are not what you've done. You are not where you've been. You are not what you're going to do in the future. You are in Christ Jesus. That's why you breathe today. That's why you have a pulse today. Jesus literally became sin so that we could become his righteousness. He became it. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. If you're here last week, which many of you were, we celebrated that Jesus literally became sin so that he could impart his righteousness on us, right? Like he died the death that we couldn't die. We couldn't possibly have covered all of our sins. There's nothing we could have ever done to give us the life that we could have never lived. That's the gift from Jesus. So practically, then what does it mean to win at life? If winning at life is when we align what we do, all of our values, 
All the energy we pour into things. And when you align those things with our meaning, that's how you know you're winning at life. First, you need your meaning. And if you're not a Christian here today, you're going to keep struggling with that. You see, the people in this room who are believers in Jesus, we know why we're here. And, and, and we know time is short. We know this life's going to end at some point, but we know why we're here, so now we know what to do to win. And, and, and this is really important that we define the win. Some of you, you're, you don't know if you're winning or not, and so you've always got this tension in your life because you've never really defined the win. And if you don't define the win, you'll always feel like you're losing. This is really key because I think a lot of Christians don't define what winning at life is. You know, it starts at, okay, I got saved. I, whatever, accepted Jesus into my life or made him the Lord of my life. I, I, I prayed that prayer, but then I didn't define what winning is. And so I'm always in this, I'm always on the treadmill, right? Get off the treadmill. God does not want you to live that way. If you have a Bible, I want you to open up as we close to uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. I'm going to walk us through a text here where uh, this guy, Paul, whose name used to be Saul, he's going to teach you about winning. He's going to teach all of us about winning. And, and this man has a story. Like when he followed Jesus, everything shifted. Before he was a Christian, winning for Saul meant killing all the Christians. That was winning for him. If we can just kill all of the Christians, that's, that's going to please God. Then he got saved and he goes, oh, I'm, I'm now one of those people. Right? I'm one of those followers of the way, as they called themselves. And so this man, Paul, is now going to help us understand this idea of winning at life. Verse 19, it says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. So the first thing you, you catch in Paul's kind of vision statement for his life as he's trying to explain this is that he has a missional lifestyle. Like woven into who he is and the way he lives and the decisions that he makes when he gets out of bed in the morning is winning more of them. To who? To Jesus, right? So he literally wakes up in the morning going, how can I get people not to think about me but to think about Jesus? What can I do? I'll do whatever. I want to be a servant to others. And I love this idea that he's a servant to other people. That's not easy to do. It's not easy to wake up and say, how can I serve everybody? You want to admit that you don't wake up in the morning and think, what can I do for other people today, right? I mean, I know that's really hard for me. And you've got this guy, Paul, who has been so transformed by the gospel. This miraculous thing has happened in his life, and that's that he has been given a meaning to live. He's got a reason to live in Jesus. And so he wakes up and he's like, I got nobody to impress. I've got nothing to prove. And so I can just go and serve people. You know why we don't serve people? Because we have an ego. And because we want to build up our ego with something other than who Christ has already said we are. And I really believe this is part of the reason that the church is shrinking in America. It's the reason that many churches are dying right now. is because we are still trying to believe that we have a reason to live. We haven't yet taken hold of our identity that Christ has given to us. And so we're still sort of trying to earn our place on earth. So ain't nobody got time for serving other people. I still don't even know why I'm here. I really believe this, that to win the world, we'll have to lose the ego. We're going to have to let it go. We're going to have to lose this feeling of life is all about us. Try to prove our place in the world. Verse 24 says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, 
but only one receives the prize. Now, I love this. Paul brings up this idea of running in a race. Now, uh, what he's referring to is in Corinth, there was something called the Isthmian Games. And the Isthmian Games were second only in history to the Olympics. And they had everything, gymnastics and, and boxing and all kinds of different things where they would compete to win. And it was woven deep into their culture. So this was a very competitive culture. I mean, children at like the age of seven would start training in gymnastics so that they could be in the Isthmian games. And so these people, everything shut down for these games. It's like high school football in the South, right? Like everything in the town shuts down. I've got football fan over here. Everything shuts down for football. This is what it was like for these games. That Everybody is going to be a part of this. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. They would have heard that and said, yes, Paul, that's how our race works. We get it. Lots of people run. Only one person gets the prize. Well, Paul, he's making a point. He's saying there are no participation trophies in the kingdom of God. You don't, you don't get a prize for just showing up. So I want you to hear this. Your meaning on earth is one thing. It's given to you freely. You did nothing to earn it. You're just like your salvation. If you want it today, if you're here ready to humble yourself, to give up your ego and say, I need saving, then Jesus is ready to save you. He wants to. He wants to pour his grace out on you, having done nothing to earn it, right? So that is your meaning in life given to you by God. But winning is another thing. Like, if you're a Christian in this room, here's what I know about you. You have a meaning, but it doesn't mean that you're winning. You can have a meaning. I can have a purpose. I can know that God is, is, he loves me. I'm part of the family of God and be totally losing at life. And I've been there. Maybe Maybe you feel that way lately. You have a meaning, but you have not been winning. Paul says, hey, don't you realize you're, you're in a race? I don't know if you know this, but you're in a race and everybody's running, but only one person's gonna get the prize. And he's kind of talking about how there's three obvious things in any race. If you've ever watched any kind of race, been a part of that, there are three things that are obvious. First, what the goal is. Second, who's winning. And third, who's losing. These are obvious, right? In a race, you know there's, a, there's what? A finish line, isn't there? But there it is. It's literally painted on the ground. That's How do you win? Cross that first. It's pretty simple, right? That's, it's easy in a race. You can see, like, who's in front? Who's the guy in back? Who's winning? Who's losing? But then when it comes to our lives, it gets more complicated, doesn't it? I mean, who is winning and losing at life? I mean, we even used that term before. Uh, maybe you do. Like, you've kind of done a hashtag on Instagram. Hashtag winning at life, right? Somebody, you know, sitting on a beach in Hawaii. Are they now? Right? Is that what it means to win at life? How do you win at life? What does it mean to be winning with, with your, your marriage, right? What does it mean to be winning as a boss, winning as a friend, winning with your finances as a follower of Jesus? If you don't know what winning is, you're always going to feel like you're losing. You're always going to have that pressure in your life. And so here is Paul's advice. This is so key. He says, so run that you may obtain it. Only one person is going to get the prize, he's saying. Now, we're not all competing for one prize. That's not what he's saying. It's not like we're all trying to kind of race our way to get the prize. He's saying there's, lots of you can get the one prize. And he says, the only way for you to win at life is to run so that you may obtain the prize. That's what it means to win. So that's my question for you today. Are you running that you may obtain the prize? 
Are you running so that you may obtain the prize of the kingdom of God? Now imagine if you were at a race and the gun went off and the race started and somebody just sat down. What would you, what would you yell at them? You're in a race, right? And I feel like this is what I want to yell at the church today. And I just did it. You're in a race, okay? Not everybody's going to get the prize. When you wake up in the morning, you are in a race. Your meaning and salvation is secure in Christ Jesus. You don't have to earn that, but you can win the race or lose the race based on the decisions you make to align your life with the meaning that Jesus has given you. You can choose that. Or you can choose to walk away from that. And it is the difference between going to bed at night and feeling like your life is well used or going to bed at night and feeling like your life is wasted. Are you really running to win the race? Paul says if you want to do that, there's a few things involved. He says every athlete exercises self-control in all things. In other words, you're going to have to say no to, to some things to say yes to other things, right? We can't do it all. And so if you want to win a race, you're going to have to eat different. You're going to have to work out. You're going to have to spend time doing the things that matter. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. In other words, this race is everything. And if you've ever been a, a real athlete, you know, like, you eat, breathe, and sleep the thing that you're about to compete in. He says, this is how it is with people in the kingdom of God that want to win the race. Exercising self-control. He says, they do it to receive a perishable wreath back to the race, if you've ever seen people um, in ancient races and competitions, they would get this, this little wreath on their head made of leaves. Have you ever seen that before? In fact, many of them are made of what are called laurel leaves. It's where the phrase resting on your laurels comes from. The idea that like you can, you, you've achieved some things and so you can just kind of coast because you're resting on your laurels. He says they're, they're competing to, to win this perishable wreath that everybody wanted but was just going to wither away. Just like everything else that we listed earlier, all these other things. But he says, but we, an imperishable. Do you know that there's a prize in the end? Something that you'll get to experience forever that is better than anything on the face of the earth. That you can actually do things on this earth that will echo in eternity. Did you know that? Things that you will get to feel and experience in eternity with Jesus. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I just know it's going to be really, really good. And I know that some of us are going to get it and some of us are not. And that in that point, whatever that looks like, we'll be able to look back on our lives and, and look at the decisions we've made. But even on this earth, those are the things that will give you a sense of purpose in the morning. When you begin to align your life, every piece of it with God's kingdom, guess what you're doing? You're, you're running to win the, the prize. That's what you're doing. You're actually doing what you were created to do. And you guys know when something is doing what it's created to be done for, like, like that's, that's going to be working really well. Like anything in our lives, when we're doing what we're created for, it's going to work really, really well. Verse 26, he says, So I do not run aimlessly. In other words, Paul says, I know where the finish line is for my life. Do you? Do you, do you run aimlessly? Do you spend your money aimlessly? Do you spend your time aimlessly? Do you, do you use your, your words aimlessly? Or are you like, no, I, I know where I'm going. I know that we're in this earthly kingdom, but there's this, this forever kingdom that God's inviting me into. And so I'm, I'm bringing all of my life in alignment with that kingdom. I know where I'm going. I'm not running aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I wonder if this is how God sees a lot of Christians, you know, like just kind of shadow boxing, right? 
Looks like I'm doing a lot. Not really doing anything. But it looks like I'm, looks like I'm doing something, right? Shadow boxing. I'm not just faking it to make it, right? I've got a purpose for my life. I know why I exist. I'm intentional. I'm focused. Verse 27, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Now, why does Paul do this? He says, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. In other words, there's a way to spout off Bible verses and do some ministry and tell other people to follow Jesus and yet disqualify yourself from the race. There's a way to be really religious and everybody's like, oh, that person's like a super Christian. You know, Paul knew what this was like because he was, he basically calls himself like a super Jew, right? Like he's like, I'm more Jewish than all you Jews. I know what it means. I know the law. I know all of these things. And earlier, we kind of skipped that part, but he talks about being a Jew to the Jews and a Gentile to the Gentiles. Paul's like, I will be whoever I need to be so that I can win you to Jesus because I've got nothing to prove. I know who I am in Christ. And so now I can live in freedom. And that's what I want for our church here today. So what do we do with all this? How do we move forward? I love what Hebrews 10.24 says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This is what we're doing right now. Like, I want, I want to stir you up. I mean, the best case scenario is that you leave church here today kind of like, you know, with a rock in your shoe. You're like, I don't know. Because of something other than the music, right? Something, you know, something other than the, than the band. You're like, no, the gospel is a rock in my shoe. It's like challenging me. It's pushing me. It's, it's causing me to think about my life and think about my purpose and think about the reason that I exist. I want to stir you up and stir up one another to love each other, to the good works of God. So here's the question. What if we all began to compete in the things that matter most to Jesus? What if we began to compete in generosity, compete in giving grace, compete in love, compete in compassion? I think we would start to feel like we're winning. I think we'd actually feel like we're in the race. And what will this look like? Because I think there are some things in our lives that show us whether we're winning or not. I mean, I mean, how do people see you? How do people view you? I mean, do they think of somebody that lives for the glory of God and to love others. I mean, is that how people see you? I love John Maxwell. He came up with sort of a mission statement for his life because he was trying to struggle through, how do you know if you're successful? How do you know if you're actually winning at life? Here's what he says. He says, success is when the people who know me the best love and respect me the most. Don't you want that? This is not how the world lives. This is not how you're told to live. You're told to live like this. It's when the people that know you the least love and respect you the most. People have no idea who you are. That's how most of us live, is to impress people that we've never met before that we don't even like, right? And this is a completely different way. The people that know me the best, this guys, this is what I want in my life. I'm like, man, I want people who know me the best to love and respect me the most. And at the end is a prize, and I love this idea of running to cross the line and to be with Jesus. I I'll close with this. I, uh, my dad was in the Air Force for 30 years, and um, when I was a kid, he actually deployed in Operation Desert Storm. Some of you know about that. Uh, he's gone for about nine months, and I remember I was, I kind of lost track of time as a kid. All I knew is I missed him. I knew I wanted to be with him. And I was up in a tree playing one afternoon, and one of my friends, he yells up to me, and he says, Brian, your dad's home. And some of you know what this feels like because you've experienced this. But I jumped out of the tree and I got out to the road and there was my dad. He's standing there in his blues, 
just looking all sharp, you know. And you know what I did? I didn't just stand there and say, hey, it's a long ways away. Come to me, you know. I didn't just kind of mosey my way. Oh, my dad's over there. Like I shot off in the direction of my dad. I couldn't have run any faster than I did. I just remember embracing my dad. This moment of like, man, I'm so glad to be with you. And I just feel, this is the image that God gave me of like the life of a believer who gets this. It's like, you're not racing to the end so that you can get saved. My dad already loved me. He already loved me. We already had a relationship. That was not on the table. I just wanted to be with him. I just wanted to run for him. And this is what it's like for people who get this. You are in a race, church. Run to win. Run to get the prize. If you want, would you pull out your action card here real quick? This is just something we do as a church. You can kind of tear off the bottom here. And I want you to just consider what is your next step here today. Again, if, if we don't do anything with this, then uh, you're wasting your time. Might as well go play some softball, right? You'll do better than I did. So maybe your next step here today is uh, to just give your life to Jesus or be baptized. We're doing baptism in two weeks. We would love to baptize you. If you're here today and you're like, yeah, my life hasn't had meaning and purpose because I just haven't been living for Jesus, today's your day. would love you to take that step. Maybe you need to define what it means to win at life. You've never defined it, so you've always felt like you're losing. What if you defined it and you're actually winning more than you realize? What if you're doing better than you knew? You just didn't know it because you didn't know what winning was. Here's what winning means. Join our ACF Kids Serve Team. There's a good one for you. Serve some kids. I think it means uh, if if you join the team, you're on the schedule for two services in a month. So, you know, a couple hours. So, and there's a job for anybody. Help check people in, hang out with the kids. And so would love for you to join that team. Maybe for you, uh, you just need to get in the race. Um, honestly, you've been sitting on the sidelines. Maybe your salvation is secure. You're like, man, I know Jesus loves me, but I'm not in the race. Maybe that's your next step today. And if you want to just fill this out and drop it in the baskets on the way out, we, we would just love to text you an encouragement this week. As we always say, we're not going to spam you put you on some kind of list. We just want to encourage you this week. That's all. Would you pray with me and just stand up? I'd love to just pray for us as we close today. Father, thank you so much for the church and for this opportunity we have to kind of refocus ourselves as we come into this summer season. We're just praying there is a summer season. And God, we, uh, we know that we don't always wake up thinking about how we can love others or love you better. And God, I'm just convicted as I read this text that that's why most of us struggle so much with who we are, with why we're here. But if we were to wake up and realize that we're in a race, I think we'd start to feel some some more joy and some more peace in our lives and like we're actually part of something. We might even see, God, we might even see you use us to change someone else's life, to share the gospel. So, Father, I pray that for our church, God, that we would step into the race this week. That you'd use us. Help us to speak when we need to speak. Help us to listen when we need to listen. And, God, would you just help us to love the way that you loved us. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.